Today on Drawing Near, Peter instructs believers on their attitudes and behaviors towards one another. We as Christians desperately need to listen to what the Lord commands regarding this. We are not to behave as the world around us does. Again, our example is the Lord Jesus. So take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 and join us as we study Called to Loving Unity. As we prepare for our study today, would you join me in prayer, please? And our Father in heaven, we thank you for the grace and mercy that allows us to come before you in prayer, knowing your power and your presence in our lives. We ask, Father, that you'd give us wisdom and understanding once again as we seek to learn from your truth and apply these truths to our lives. Help us, Father, to understand we are not to be hearers only, but doers of your word. Direct us, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Having discussed the role of submission in the believers' lives regarding their various relationships in society, Peter turns his attention towards the church community. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, we read these words, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. When he says finally, what Peter is addressing here is this. Submission doesn't exist simply in our relationships with government or masters or in our homes with husbands and wives. Our submission continues into the church community, and we get a very close look at what humility and submission should look like in all of our relationships. Maybe you've noticed, Peter has moved from our least personal relationship to our most personal relationship. Our least personal relationship is with governing authorities, then with our employers, our bosses, then in our home with husbands and wives. And so he finally says here, in all of your relationships, particularly in the Christian community, behave this way. Now, hopefully, the Christian community extends to our homes. Hopefully, husband and wife and children are all believers. That's what this is addressing here. The relationship a believer has to those within their life circle. So he says, finally, all of you be of one mind. That's the idea of being in agreement of thinking the same thing. It's the most important that we do this with regards to God's Word, that we agree on doctrine, on the teaching of God's Word, on what it says about the gospel, how we are to treat one another. We need to be of the same mind. So often in our relationships, there is contention because one person's mind is this way, another person's mind is that way, and there is no give. There's no genuine conversation to encourage one another and to grow from one another. I think I'm right. You think you're right. And we hold those positions steadfastly. We need to seek to be of one mind. Now, this does not mean to compromise on right and wrong or good and evil. We are to never do that. But where there is room to yield, we need to be willing to yield for the sake of community for the sake of harmony. The mind that we are to have is the mind of Christ. 
It is a lowly mind. It is a mind that considers others' needs as more important than our own. We learn that from Philippians chapter 2, and it would help to take a look at that when you have time. Well, Peter goes on and says, we need to be of one mind, having compassion for one another. When we look at one another, we need to see their humanity, their vulnerability. We need to see their struggle with sin, and we need to have compassion. This word literally is mercy. We need to be empathetic. We know what it is to deal with sin. We know what it is to deal with human emotions. We need to have compassion for one another. Life is challenging. Life is hard. And not every day is a good day. Between our hormones and our circumstances and our relationships, it's tough sometimes to be of the right frame of mind. And so we need to have compassion for one another. We're to love as brothers. The church community, the believing community, is a family community. And we need to love as brothers. We need to be committed to one another, to be there for one another, to hold one another up. We need to love genuinely and deeply, intimately, as brothers. He goes on and says we need to be tender-hearted. I remember one time when my pastor growing up, Charles Betts, told me that if I was going to go into the ministry and hang around a lot of Christians, that I needed to be very, very careful not to become hard-hearted. Rather, what he said is, I need to have the heart of a baby in the skin of a rhinoceros. That was good counsel from my pastor. I've remembered that for over 40 years. He's exactly right, and it's not just true for pastors. It's true for all of us. We all need to have tough skin so that we're not so sensitive, but we need to have tender hearts. We need to be compassionate and tender toward one another. When husbands look at their wives tenderheartedly and vice versa, it changes the entire dynamic in the home. It does the same in the church. We need to be tender-hearted toward one another, and we need to be courteous. That's an old word, isn't it? You don't hear that word very much in our culture today. To be courteous is to be considerate, to be yielding, to recognize and honor the other individual. It's a good thing to defer to someone else, to let them go through a door first, to let them be seated first, to stand up when you're in their presence, to be kind and say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And if you're not going to say those words, at least let that kind of sentiment come out in your conversation. Especially younger people need to be courteous to older people, and men and women need to be courteous to one another. This is not something that God has laid aside, even though our culture has. In verse 9, Peter goes on and says, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. The tendency in our culture today is, if someone hurts you, you hurt them back. We live by the Old Testament idea, an eye for an eye. Just because someone says something harshly to you, doesn't mean you need to respond in the same way. We are not to return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but rather, as we saw earlier in this book, we are to be like Jesus, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. That is a part of being humble. That is a part of being submissive. 
If someone wants to be evil toward you, just absorb it and let it disappear. Don't throw your evil out into the world in return. We do not need to return evil for evil. Being hurt does not give us a reason to hurt someone else. This kind of returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling is violence. So many times we wouldn't hit somebody just because they did something wrong to us. But when we get hurt, oftentimes we want to cause the other person pain. This is not Christian. This is not like Jesus. We're told we're not to return evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. When someone hurts us, we are to be kind in return. It's not just simply do nothing. We're told in the scriptures, a soft answer turns away wrath. We need to give blessing or kindness or love or compassion when someone is evil toward us or speaks harshly to us. And we're to do this knowing that we were called to this. We do not behave like the world's father, the devil. We behave like our father in heaven who loved us and sent his son Jesus to die for us. He did that while we were yet sinners. When we were his enemies and strangers to him, he loved us and blessed us with the sacrifice of his son. He tells us in verse 10, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Why? For the Lord's eyes are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If you want your life to be good, if you want your life to be a life of peace and joy, if you want God to bless you, then we need to refrain from speaking evil. We need to refrain from being deceitful to one another. We need to turn away from evil and good and seek peace in all of our relationships and pursue it. Run peace down. Pursue it strongly. Why? Because the Lord's eyes are on the righteous and the Lord blesses those who are righteous, who do the right thing. And his ears are open to the prayers of those who are righteous. We need to know. Our behavior toward one another, our behavior in the home, in society, at work, in the church, our behavior in the world affects how God blesses our lives. So many Christians are contentious all the time, contentious toward government, contentious toward work, contentious toward their spouse. That contention carries over into the church. It's a part of their nature. The Lord wants to bless us, but we need to lay that kind of spirit aside and be humble and submissive. And remember, the face of the Lord, the anger of the Lord, is against those who do evil, and we need to not be a part of that crowd. Father in heaven, help us to understand these things. Help us, Father, to bring our spirit into harmony with your Holy Spirit. Help us to walk in the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
The flesh wars against the things of the Spirit, and we need to not be in contention with you. So, Father, help these truths to be in our hearts and minds. Help us to meditate on them, to ponder how we might put them into effect in our lives. Help us to recognize we need your blessing. We need you to hear our prayers, and the way we live affects that. Guide us, Father, today. Help us to walk before you with this clear and present understanding. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.